Welcome to the e-commerce toolbox, Expert Perspectives, a podcast by Noibu, where we explore the elite strategies and cutting edge insights with our expert guests. Get ready to propel your e-commerce business to the next level. Welcome everybody. Joining us today, we have an up and coming executive, Lisa Cam. She joins us now from Fortnum and Mason, having done stints at Burberry and Harvey Nichols. So really excited, Lisa, for you to join us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Lisa, I always like to start off by learning a bit more about your career trajectory. Like I just mentioned, you were at Burberry, Harvey Nichol, and a few other places before landing as the head of digital transformation at Fordham and Mason. So maybe take us through a high level of your career journey so far. Perfect. It always makes me laugh. I actually wanted to do drama. So when I never kind of meant or intended to fall into the technology space, I did it at A-level and really enjoyed it. It was something that I could just get on and do. And then when it came to university and degrees, I was like, what do I do if drama doesn't work out or if I don't do drama? And I ended up doing um, computer information systems at Beth, which is effectively the comp side, but with some business modules in there and really enjoyed it. But it wasn't until they do, uh, Beth are really well known for internships and Burberry was doing an internship along with the likes of Microsoft, Google, Facebook, and then also some of the investment banking And actually, fashion and retail was something I'd never really thought about with technology, but I do like to shop. And so it it felt like a good fit to to give it a try. And I was really lucky when I joined Burberry. They were in a great place, trading really well, fantastic investment, a lot focused on technology. And I think it just went from there, really. I got to try some really cool things at Burberry, work on some fascinating projects, create a really good network. And that network's kind of carried me through a bit. So I moved to Harvey Nichols after a couple of years at Burberry, stayed there, and then I tried supplier side. So I worked for a loyalty company that were looking to digitize and so do things around mobile apps and how they could do loyalty that way before moving to Fortnum and Mason's. It's been a good 11 years. Awesome. Really impressive. Your kind of ascent to, to a leadership role, Lisa. On the back of that question, I'm curious, what are some of the challenges that you're facing in your role today? I always struggle a bit with, for me, technology isn't just, oh, my computer's not working. How do I fix your computer? And outside of the business, sometimes it's trying to get people to understand how critical and core some of our day-to-day and our strategic thinking and what's out there on the market and what retailers or other businesses should be adapting. Um, I think people are a lot more on board with technology and I guess some of the kind of commentary and things that people have said elsewhere is having a seat at the table or being at the front of the bus. And there's a lot more involvement now with technology. But I think there's still that wider perception outside of some of the businesses of how critical um, those technology teams and some of that innovation and strategy can be. And I think the other side of that is when we do have issues or bugs, and I probably later in the conversation, we'll talk a little bit about bugs, but we have to try and recreate them. And it's really hard sometimes. You can't recreate these books. And then you struggle to quantify what actually is the impact. Is it just one customer that's experiencing this? Or is it hundreds of customers? And I think that is actually one of our biggest challenges. If we get the right person making some noise, and then you get completely distracted, and you'll get off on a tangent of, let's try and recreate it. And it could just be an absolute edge case. And so that's definitely one of the things that we're kind of facing into at the moment. Just building off that, it sounds like obviously your role as leading the technical kind of transformation is going to likely involve replacing legacy systems with newer systems, right? Or, or legacy code bases. And 
the way that you guys have architected your website is very kind of modern, right? With your, like the headless front end, the custom, and then like you had mentioned, migrating off to a faster, effective website. You started mentioning kind of some of the bugs and we can get into that later, but I'm more so just kind of curious. Do you think going through that migration and the modernization of the stack to your point comes the stabilization period? Maybe talk to us a bit about that. Like, has that slowed you down in the past because that's actually what brought us together, right, uh, was, was effectively uh, stabilization and we helped support during your migration. We'll talk about that a bit later, but more so just curious, like on that side, how do you see like stabilization as something that blocks effective, like rapid progression? It's actually really interesting because then when you say that, I'm like, actually, that has been a massive challenge for us. So it was um, this time last year that we first started having conversations of we actually need to re-platform some of our front end to get it onto a moderner tech stack. And I think within the business, the perception is you're just doing technology stuff that we don't really understand. And we've spent the last 12 months, we've now kind of fully migrated all of that stack over and we've done it in phases. But that has definitely been a, we're not releasing new features, we're not releasing new functionality. We're kind of staying stagnant from a business perspective, whereas from a tech side, we're changing the whole way the website works, which will make it much easier for us to deliver. And if we look at since we went live across the whole site, which was June time, we designed our products and our PDP pages. We're looking at redesigning some of our category landing pages. There's loads of things we're looking at splitting out the experience between mobile and desktop, which previously would have taken us a long time to do with that architecture. But by changing those foundations, now it allows us to move quicker. It's just obviously been slightly slower than I think some people would have liked to have got us there in the first place. It's funny. They're all very interrelated, right? So if you're on a legacy tech stack, you can't deliver custom experiences to your customers, on whether it's mobile or desktop or modularize and quickly redesign. Everything's kind of like monolithic. And I think to your point, now that you've modularized things, you end up typically running, they come in phases, right? So stabilizing at phases is typically what consumes the bandwidth away from a lot of engineering teams, correct? And I think that that was something that you guys were going through. Yeah, no, definitely. When you look at AI is one of the hot topics right now, how do you look at AI, right? Do you fundamentally look at it more from an internal standpoint where it's like, hey, if we set up all of our engineers with chat GPT, or for example, it could make them more efficient? Or do you look at it for how you could actually leverage it to make the customer journey better? How are you looking at AI? I'd say we're actually at the moment we're exploring all avenues. I think the bit that from a tech standpoint, we're kind of very clear on is AI is not new. The technology has been around for a long time and there are some bits that we've got that are already using AI. And whereas obviously AI is such a buzzword out there in the industry at the moment, Um, but we really are exploring everything that's out there. We're a massive Microsoft client. They obviously have ChatGPT and some other things that they're working on and some of our other tools. So the likes of our search platform And how can we use AI to do better recommendations or to help with some of those search um, terms? And then you've got the other side from a customer service perspective. And, you know, can we start using AI to help with some of our customer contact to improve that? But I think the challenge around playing in that customer space is we don't want to lose that connection we have with our customers and that personal human touch. So I think we are definitely exploring all avenues at the moment and then putting it back to you from a brand perspective what would be the right thing for Fortnum's for, for us today. Completely fair. And I think on also kind of dovetailing off of one of the things you said earlier, as you're looking to modernize the stack, leverage things like AI to make the customer experience, you're probably going to be plugging in new searches and 
And just now that the website's actually modularized, you can make more changes. With more changes comes more unanticipated kind of challenges. Prior to having kind of signed on with us and kind of going through that process with us, how are you finding out about production level bugs? We always hear anecdotally, it's the executives, it's this. Maybe walk us through how you were hearing about production level bugs kind of prior to, to us partnering. So obviously when our customers contact customer services, they come in and they say they can't place an order or they've had difficulty. And um, so we've got a few avenues there, I guess. So we've got the ability for live chat. So a customer can come in and speak to an agent that way. But we also have kind of at the end of your transaction. So once you've placed your online order, you can give us feedback. So those are kind of the two immediate bits from customers and you can quite clearly spot trends. I'm not sure if I say this, but we've had a couple of times where our Apple Pay expired, for example. And you very quickly see Apple Pay issue, Apple Pay issue, Apple Pay issue. And then the other bit is just kind of anecdotally from people in the company um, or other people that have been on the site and have passed it on to an employee and then they fed it back. So it has been hard. Um, we do use analytics as well. A couple of metrics that I've become obsessed with over kind of the past six to nine months is very much the checkout funnel. So we really analyze once you get into the checkout funnel where your drop-offs are. Um, that is a really good indicator for us as well where issues are. So once we do a release, because we, we like to release fortnightly, you can start seeing if we've got some issues because some of that checkout funnel, um, you'll start seeing drop-offs increase in one place that's higher than normal. Um, so that for us as well is another really clear indication, particularly in that checkout area of, oh, something's not quite right here. But we really do kind of focus on customer feedback and what we've heard. So there could be so some of the challenges that we have as well as customers aren't reporting it. We're never going to know it's an issue. So yeah, we're very much reliant on our customers to kind of come forwards. Makes sense. And very, by the way, Fortnite, UK of you, love it. Haven't heard that one in a while from a release schedule standpoint, but makes a lot of sense. And Lisa, maybe talk us through just tactically as well. So it sounds like it's kind of very classic. You hear it through customer service. You might see drops in conversion. What was kind of the biggest pain point about that? Was it like the recreation? Was it the understanding, the scope and scale of it? Like what kind of kept you up as, because obviously your goal was to move the website forward as quickly as possible. And is it just these squeaky wheel gets the grease, so it's distracting resources? Like what was really the, the biggest challenge through that process? It's probably a culmination of them all. It's very much, we've got an issue. If we have a week where trade doesn't look as strong as we were expecting it to be, are there any technical issues to blame? And I think we still very often get the moment that, you know, something doesn't look quite right. It's, can we check the site? Can we check the health of the site? Are there any new issues? I guess from that, it's also that quantifying of, if someone does have an issue, how big an issue is it? How many customers are seeing and experiencing this issue? We find it very hard to prioritize and we almost get distracted um, by the noise that something's making without really understanding the impact. And it can be hard for us to understand the impact. So it's all this noise is being created. We don't know what the impact is and we've got to jump off, I guess, strategic project work to look at some of these other bits and bugs and issues until we can really truly understand the, the impact. Awesome, that makes a ton of sense. As we get into the kind of the next question that I wanted to ask is, I know that you had traditional application monitoring tools that were running you have some session recording tools, so like digital analytics. You obviously tried to solve this problem with your existing tech stack. Maybe talk to us a bit about ultimately how you ended up landing at uh, solving this problem with Noibu. 
So I think it, it really kind of resonates with that we couldn't quantify the size and a lot of these issues are so anecdotal and if we can't recreate them, we just really struggle to move forwards with them. Um, so I think the first or a couple of bits that attract me to Nobu as a product is A, the help code feature. So the ability that we can go in and say, please, can you pass us your help code? And we can see everything that you've got in your session. And it's quite remarkable, actually, when you watch a playback of the session, how you'd have described the issue versus how a customer has described it. Um, so I think there's that interpretation there as well. Because if someone says to me, I couldn't check out, it didn't let me through to payment, what was wrong? something didn't load and um, versus when you can actually see those sessions in the playback you can immediately be like oh okay now I see what's happened now I can understand the experience and then I think the next bit is really that kind of error logging and the user click detail so I can see so clearly in the platform this is when the customer has clicked on something and then because of that it's triggered this error and um, I think the bit that I guess probably to mention now is still quite new to Nobu but um the bit that I'm getting to grips with now is just obviously when an error has been found, some of those recommendations within the platform of how to resolve it. And I think that's um, making it a bit easier to kind of pass it over to developers as well and say, look, this is where the error is. This is the suggestion. Can you explore that as a first point of call and then let us know your feedback? And certainly when we first started playing with the platform, I think out of those top five issues that kind of Noibu recognizes, the first two were ones that we weren't even aware were happening or we'd heard some noise about them previously and hadn't heard anything in a long time. So actually weren't aware that they were still having quite a big impact with customers and they weren't things that customers were logging. So I think it's also, it's helping us identify where those issues are in customers that have come forward and said that they've had a problem. Then those unknowns that we really don't know about that actually are impacting a lot of customers. It's a great insight into that. Uh, awesome. Listen, as we come up to peak trading season, do you want to talk to us a bit about how you're looking at prepping for kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, peak trading? What are some of the things that tactically you're looking at getting done? So we're already ramping up in our peaks. We've already started seeing that kind of conversion and sales and traffic start to lift. We don't do Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So we're very much around Christmas and just kind of focused on the Christmas side and Halloween. So we've also got the ramp up for Halloween as well. Um, we have a peak non-negotiables list. So that is very much, certainly from a commercial and customer experience standpoint, everything that we've agreed and said that needs to be in for peak, we've baked this into our commercial plan and or we think it's really going to make a difference to a customer. Um, and then I guess because we've kind of got Noibu quite late in the day to our peak preparation, I would say it's very much a reactive basis at the moment of let's explore in the platform Let's see where those issues are and where do we know that we've got pain points of issues that we haven't been able to recreate and we think that they might cause issues. So we're almost kind of tackling the, here's our peak non-negotiable functional list and then let's keep working on Noibu separately and look at some of those issues and try and figure out how we actually deploy them into our fortnightly sprints. We do, um, like most retailers, we have a freeze period. Ours is a quite loosely used term as a freeze period. So when we do find issues and things, we obviously make exceptions. And if code that we're releasing seems relatively low risk, we will still go ahead and deploy it. At the moment, we're kind of looking for mid to end of October as our final, certainly from a non-negotiable list release. And then we will probably, I suspect, do a couple of releases in November, ready for December, which is when it really kind of ramps up from our side. 
but we are still quite a reactive business. And I think that's where Noibu is great for us at the moment because we can see the issues as they're happening. And I think as we move past Christmas and past peak, for me, the objective is going to be how can we stay proactive in looking at the tool and when we do releases to make sure we're ironing out those issues as soon as they happen or even in tests so they never make it into production. And I think that's the bit kind of for me in the next six months once we've got through peak. So reactive in peak, look at the issues that we've got, keep an eye on the platform and then post peak, how can we be a bit more proactive with some of these bits, the quality of our releases, et cetera. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think at this part part of the year, like a lot of the UI UX projects are probably being pushed to the side. And it's really like, how do we ensure that we don't accidentally have a locked door? And I think one of the examples that I love that I heard actually from a customer is our job is to make sure that all doors are open in our store 24-7. And certain doors for certain browsers and devices are shut accidentally sometimes. And like you had mentioned, going through digital transformation, ensuring that those doors aren't accidentally shut is a top priority kind of coming into peak season. Lisa, I think you've had an incredibly successful career so far, and we're really excited to partner with Fortnum and Mason. Really, really enjoy you taking the time to chat today. I think, uh, honestly, I I learned a lot. So wanted to thank you for your time. Thank you. The e-commerce toolbox expert perspectives is brought to you by Noibu. To find out more about Noibu and how we can help you debug your e-commerce site and rocket your revenue, visit www.noibu.com. That's N-O-I-B-U.com. And then make sure to search for the e-commerce toolbox, Expert Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Noibu, thanks for listening. 